Hey, hiya, howdy, salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast. This is the show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. I'm Emily. And I'm Kara Mia. So go grab your salty snacks and a fizzy drink of your choice. Sit back and be entertained. We fully endorse this show to assist you, listener, as a procrastinator. This show also contains alcohol, some colorful language, and sexual content and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi. Don't look at my double chin. Oh, I love your double chin. I could look at your double chin all day long. Triple chin. Or the lack lack thereof. Oh, there's like four chins. Don't tell me you don't see this right now. I'm like crouched under my desk. No, I feel cute. I feel like you're super vulnerable right now. Like, you know how when you take like a really bad selfie? I feel like our whole video chat is me accidentally take, opening my like phone on the Your forward facing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome oh. to Harlequin History Podcast, uh, Welcome. the version where we bear our double chins and our hearts and souls to everyone. <laughs> Ooh, that's our new shirt: bearing our hearts, souls, and double chins. Oh, I love it. And like and Edie, my one and a half year old, can be our model because she like has like oh. quadruple chin like all the time. Oh my god, and she's a little harlot. <laughs> she is. We say that endearingly, like don't no, no, no. one year old harlot. No. And also she, she is a little bit of a butt, so she deserves all that she gets. She does. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm just a mother who is extremely happy with how this election just turned out. But I know this is not a sitting place. This is just the beginning. But I could not stop crying on Saturday. I could not I stop crying. I could not stop celebrating. Could not stop dancing. I'm just like the fact that we have a president-elect and a vice president-elect talking about systemic racism, climate I know. crisis, education, you know, just I like, see. oh my gosh. I just, I, I'm so, I'm like floating. It's, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And we know that it's not going to change everything, but it's like, it's no. a huge step in the right direction. Right. Exactly. Um, and and I'm, <laughs> I'm Emily and I have chins and arm fat and eggnog and spider boobs all over the place right now and it's fine i'm like can't decide what holiday she wants it to be i'm I'm drinking eggnog with bourbon in it right now and then i also have my spider tits shirt on i should post i should you should should. and i am drinking um a froth dark rum coconut milk pineapple juice with a little dash of lime painkiller we're yeah, both drinking really milky things and um glad that our partners are asleep and they don't have to hear us in the bathrooms <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, but really quick before we start today, um we had a little time of reckoning this week. I was attempting 
a two-parter on a subject that you heard us talk about. It was supposed to be mistresses of the Communist Party. And it was overwhelming for me. I bit off more than I could chew. I learned my lesson. It was very intimidating talking about a culture that I also wanted to do justice by, women that I wanted to do justice by. But at the same time, you know, we were not properly taught about communism at school. When you go to a communist country and you cross into it and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> it's you, it's like, not, like, yeah, you, I, cause I don't think, feel like we were prepared. No. And it's also, it. I feel like we're, we're prepared quite negatively for it. And so like really trying to look objectively at, um, a country that is different from the U S in so many ways and like politically, economically, just I'm talking traditions. And there was so many individual subjects that I kept going off into. And there was so much I learned. And we will be releasing little parts of that. But ultimately, I found myself procrastinating because I was overwhelmed. And it was really tough. It was tough to read. It was tough to understand. It was tough to, yes, and I wasn't having fun. So we scrapped it, and we are recording this the day before we are releasing. <laughs> we usually release our episodes at midnight, and it's 11.30 the day. So we'll be releasing this a little bit later, depending on how much rum I, or bourbon I drink tonight, how we're really going to put it. But um, yeah, we just, Karen and I just realized that we just want to have fun. This podcast was started for fun, and about people we really enjoy. And like, this was a really interesting topic, but I think it was was really stressing you out. And I, we do have the first part of that recorded. So I think we'll release it on Patreon when we have that. Yep. Which but, will be coming soon. And also we've all, we've been experiencing such a level of political dysfunction this week. We, that we have not, I have not been able to concentrate on anything. I, I was refreshing my phone constantly. I am surprised I didn't get fired from work this week. Cause I was like, <laughs> I would like be checking people out, like on my phone, refreshing it as I'm talking to people. Like, but, but yeah. And yeah, I, was, I didn't even have my phone with me when the election, like the one I was just like, I can't look at the election anymore. So I put my phone to charge and then all of a sudden I heard Matt yelling in the other room. Well, we went to where, um, community was on Capitol Hill in Seattle. And we danced with a bunch of other celebrators at a distance. We were all like in the street and it was really fun. People were dancing with cutouts of Kamala Harris and they were dancing with bubble machines and around uh, like 24 packs of Rainier. So it was really fun. (laughs) And I celebrated with a bunch of coyotes because I now live in the boonies and my backyard is basically a giant open space. So I took my dog out last night and there was like 45 coyotes just freaking the fuck out. And I was like, I know, I was like, they know. <laughs> They're so excited. I almost started yelling with them. And then I was like, mm, better not. Oh, good day. And now just as a little respite from everything we've been going through, we picked a really fun, interesting person yeah, this is actually a recommendation. Mm-hmm. It's our um, first like it's our first recommendation. So I feel so special. Yeah, so this is um Amanda. 
that recommended this to us. She sent it to us on Instagram and we had no idea who this person was and we were both super excited. So I know just the bare minimum. So I'm so excited to learn more. Oh, this woman. Oh my gosh. I, I, and let me tell you, so the um, life of a full-time mom who is attempting to podcast, <laughs> I was writing this episode to and from getting family pictures, typing it while my children were running around me. I was like, just watch Monsters, Inc. Come on. <laughs> and this episode, I'm just so proud of myself for finishing this episode today. So I'm proud of you too. You literally wrote this episode at like today. Yep. Okay. Emily, we love tales of pretty women and swashbuckling men, right? Right. But what about a pretty swashbuckler? Oh Oh my God. You set that up so perfectly. Right. Get ready for the tale of a woman who achieved all of the prizes and fame awarded to the most beautiful of women and the most intelligent of men. Julie de Albany was known for her allergy to boredom passion, lovers of all sexes, preferring male garb, and for wielding a sword and her voice perfectly. So she was born in 1670 in the royal court or court adjacent. (laughs) I love that. I was really proud of that. (laughs) Court adjacent? Was she born like next to the court? Well, of King Louis the 14th, the Sun King. So it was like it was like in his royal court. And this is now the third time Harlots of History has visited this particular court at Versailles. Yeah, we love Madame Pompadour, the uh, affair of the poisons, and now this. Her father, who is named Gaston. Oh, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I had. Did did he like to drink? <laughs> Could no one drink? Like him. Oh, yeah. No yeah. one. Wait, wait, what, what's the other line of the song? No one could fight like him. No yeah. one has better, more hair than him. I don't know about the hair part. Let's, <laughs> let's assume he was hairy. So he was. <laughs> <laughs> Your name gets on. You're probably hairy. And you could eat five dozen eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. He was secretary to the grand, uh, the grand squire. <laughs> Gasson could have pronounced that R. <laughs> the Grand Squire, who the master of horses, the Comte de Armagnac. I'm probably so butchering that, so we're just going to well, call you him know, the you Count. Didn't, you didn't butcher the Armagnac part, because <laughs> yeah, right. And I know Comte because that's a really good type of cheese. Um, mm, it yeah, was it right. It was the job of the Count and his secretary Gaston to train all of the pages and horses for the Sun King. So it was like really big job and like. Her father, Gaston, was, like, literally, like, helping with thousands of people. We're talking, like, you know, the stables, the royal stables not only had, like, the pages and the horses. It had, like, the blacksmiths. It had, like, the guards. It had this. It had that. It was, like, a huge operation. Yeah, you would need five dozen eggs to handle all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is all important because it is one of the primary ways that Julie was different from all of the other young ladies at court. She grew up in this rough riding environment from the age of nine. She grew up. Yeah. And so her father educated her in like a quote unquote masculine way for the times. She was raised similar to the other pages. She like learned to read, draw, ride, (gasps) dance. She's like Alana. Oh my God. Yeah. And swordsmanship. And she got a taste for ancient history and noble tales of men at arms 
And her father trained her in the art of rapier and foil because he believed this was the best way for her to keep herself safe. Did she also have purple eyes? I don't know. If you guys haven't read the lot of books by Tamora Pierce, I don't know what you're doing. Like, what were you doing with your adolescence? (laughs) I've read those books probably like seven times that I I really want to go read them again. That sounds. I gotta get them. I gotta get them for Zelda in a couple of years. No, let me give them to her. I'll give them to her for her birthday. Okay. So it is said that by the age of 12, that she knew all there was to know about the art of fencing. Because not only was she taught by her dad, she was taught by like really famous royal masters who like wrote the literal book on the art of fencing. So, so she was like a like black belt in fencing by age 12. Mm-hmm. That's but so cool. her father was also a heavy drinker and a hard gambler. He was a frequent patron of brothels, gambling dens, and taverns. I thought you were going to say he was a harlot. He sounds like Oh, he a was. Harlot. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But in the end, in summation, Julie grew up in a very free and liberating manner that I'm like super envious of. That's especially like for the times too. Mm-hmm. Because also you got to think of like how, remember, we've talked about the Sun King. His court was so regulated. Do you remember like all of those rituals and everything that he set up in place to kind of, you know, help to kind of um, hold all his power, you know, just to retain all of his power. And yeah. So just the fact that there was a woman that was like as liberated, was not following any of the court rituals of the time, was not following any of the stereotypes of like a woman of court at the time. She was so cool. (laughs) How did, how did that happen? Like, how did that even get, how was she even allowed to do all that it was no one no one was paying attention to like the stables or well the king and we'll talk about this in a bit he was very entertained and amused by her so he she, thought it was like kind of funny that there was a uh, girl doing very, all that or like i think he just thought she was cool i think she's cool too and yeah and also like yeah we'll talk about it later we'll get into it it's actually really interesting there's a lot more to it so again her stories like I was actually so frustrated researching about her because the, every account is slightly different because we're talking about something from, what, three, 400 years ago. But also, if there is any male who wrote anything about her earlier than 20 years ago, it was incredibly homophobic. It was yeah. uh, very disdainful of her. And just the way that they were talking about her, they talked to her like she was like like a bird of prey. She was conniving, a cad. It was just like, it was disgusting. And it was like, I feel like we've, we've talked about this before, especially in your last episode, but like men, especially when they talk about women who are gay, think of them and and men who are gay too. Think of them as like huge predators. Exactly. And it's just, yes, exactly. Dick talks of masculinity and fucking shut up. Mm-hmm. And so I am, I pieced together the story for what I found most similar from the people that sounded like they were writing the most objectively and also the pers- people that were looking at her sexuality in a very open manner. Okay. Uh-huh. So at the age of 14 or 15, she took up with her father's boss, the Count. Whether the Count? The Count. Whether he encouraged it, because... Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, whether um, her father encouraged it, because we've talked about it, you did with Madame Pompadour, to be a mistress at court was a really easy way to climb socially, or 
Whether this was one of the few men her father could not challenge, this was a strategic match. And the court introduced the count introduced her at court, like AKA the king. And to thinly disguise their affair, he married her off to a mild mannered clerk, Monsieur Maupin. <laughs> it's like, did he like go into a phone booth and turn into Superman? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. Mild mannered. I just love that description so much. I was like, I, was I really like, like I, mild mannered. Right. It's, it sounds, I think they meant it to be an insult, but I was like, that sounds really cute. Well, that's what Clark Kent, the mild mannered Clark Kent, like no one would ever describe me as mild mannered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So after, um, a year after they started seeing each other, the count grew tired of Julie, who was now Madame Malpin or La Malpin, as we will now call her. She had these increasingly wild ways. So by coincidence, I say that with like quotations, Monsieur Malpin was given a position overseeing taxes in France's provinces, colonialism at its best. (laughs) So they just like wanted them out of the court. Pretty much. I think the count thought that La Malpin would go with her husband, but she informed him that her husband did not have enough prospects to provide for her abroad and that she would stay in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you will. (laughs) Right. And so even though she was not with her husband, she was known as a married woman. And being married freed her from the social constraints of unmarried young women. That's cool. Yeah. And it is said she went wild. Uh, yeah. Right? It's like, I'm free. There are accounts of her striking shopkeepers. And, like, any time she saw a gentleman dressed as a gentleman, like, you know, in aristocratic wear, she would immediately challenge them to fight. I love her. Right? And so that sounds at, like me in 2016, like <laughs> drunk at a bar, like you want to go. <laughs> right. And um, at the Salle des Arms or the fencing school that she frequented a ton, she met Serenis, a fencing master. And he was from the south of France. Um, they became lovers. But Serenis got on the wrong side of Lieutenant General of the police, Nicolas Gabriel de la Reine and Uray Remember that name from our episode, Affair of the Poisons. We do? Yeah. Who was he? He was the primary investigator, the judge oh. and the jury during that affair. Oh, he was like the, the guy who like, like he was like the judge, jury, and executioner was, guy. Yeah, he was a big bad We don't wolf. like him. No. He's bad. And he was a very strict enforcer of the Sun King's anti-dueling laws. King Louis hated duels. He wanted his nobles to serve him, not fight over some slight disrespects. Like, he took off his glove and slapped me, so I'm going to cut off his hand. You know what I mean? People dueled over really dumb stuff. (laughs) You took the last avocado, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) And so he wanted them to come to him with their problems. But, of course, the nobles love the drama and notoriety of dueling. So even though he actually abolished them in 1679, he didn't get rid of them. I'm not going to lie, though. If I was like a fencing master and I had the ability to challenge people to duels, I feel like I would do it all the fucking time. Just just to be like, fuck you. I'm a woman. Oh, I love her. Right. And like, let's turn like Zorro on its tail. And like, I would just like, instead of like cutting away a woman's shirt, I would just (laughs) cut men's belts. (laughs) 
That just made me so happy. See a man with suspenders? Yeah. (laughs) Did he really do that? He cut away her shirt? That's like... Her clothes. Yeah, and Zorro. I know. That's like sexual harassment. That's sexual assault. It is. Okay, that that's like we could, we could do a whole lot of That's what I said. That's what I said. Let's turn it on its tail. Like <laughs> take that back. Also, like, ow. Don't Right. But the the point was Zoro was so talented he didn't hurt her. I know, but did she give consent? I have to look into this further. Okay. So uh Serenes, her lover, was accused of the death of a man during a duel. And when he ran from Paris to Marseille, uh, Lao Maupin ran with him. And he helped her hone her fencing skills and taught her the art of the small sword. And to help support them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. (laughs) A real small sword. (laughs) Hey, it's how you use it. It's not not how you wield it. No. <laughs> <laughs> to help support them, uh, Lama Pen began to perform by sword and song. Her and Serene gave dueling exhibitions in the tap room of the inn that they were staying in. That's cool. Right? And during this time is also when she be- started to dress like a man. I can imagine it was really hard to duel in a dress. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But she also started to dress like a man because uh, they were still being pursued by the law. So her and her lover both disguised themselves. Did he dress as a woman? No, he just put on a mustache. I honestly, they honestly said that he added a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she tried a lot harder than him. But (laughs) he just added a mustache. (laughs) That's like the oldest trick in the book. (laughs) <laughs> it could have fooled Lavernier. I mean, he thought like he thought witches were out to get the king. He was pretty dumb. Yeah. But yeah. but she continued to dress like a man for the remainder of her life. Um, she was really quite the dashing figure when she dressed as a man. She was athletically built. She had dark curly hair, blue eyes, and a sharp nose. There are, of course, like I was saying, many disgusting accounts of the way she dresses. Many said that she dressed as a man to hide who she was and to act like a cat and take advantage of women. But she was so open about who she was that she never hid her sex, even while she was dressing as a stereotypical male for the day. So she was actually, she was really, really cool. She was, she didn't, she never hid who she was. Also, I just think that whole thing, like... Like she dressed as a man to like take advantage of people. I just like I yeah that's I, yeah uh, yeah it's yeah. stupid and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, she was no. Also, maybe she didn't want to wear a corset and a dress because like who uh, would? exactly. And also her literal and it became her career, but her passion was dueling or was you know fencing. You can't fence in a freaking dress. No, you can't do anything in a dress. And also to remember, we're not talking like a dress at the knees. We're talking like a dress to the ground. Like, uh, somebody who was, like, your opponent would just step on your dress and it would be all over. <laughs> the only thing that dresses are good for is getting to third base in a movie theater. <laughs> that came from Emily, guys, not me. Marianne! Emily's mom! Did you hear Turn it off! <laughs> uh, but it also, um, no one can say for sure when she began to recognize her desire for women... But the first account is from around this time. So I will go into those in a second. But one time when she was at a crowd who did not believe she was a woman, she opened her shirt to prove them otherwise. 
God. I and it was her. said that her perfect breasts became quite infamous as well. Perfect breasts? Like, I read like- that I read that over and over and over again. And I was like, aren't all breasts perfect? Like All breasts are perfect. And you think it was like 90% of the guys their first time ever seeing a boob. And they were like, oh, her breasts, they are perfect. <laughs> right, right. But also because she was an overachiever, she auditioned at a famous music academy. And she was accepted. She then debuted as a singer professionally. Oh, my God. How has there not been a movie made about her? There's been. There's books. There's a play. I believe there is a movie. Loosely based. We have have to watch it. I need to watch it. Yeah. Uh, So during her professional debut, the only daughter of a wealthy merchant became infatuated with her. So she dumped Serenes, the southern Frenchman, fencing master, who she was tired of, and declared to be tired of men in general. I mean, yeah. So her (laughs) and the daughter of the wealthy merchant started a love affair. And as you can imagine, her father was thrilled to have his daughter in a relationship with the infamous (laughs) duelist. (laughs) So to separate them, the father sent her where all fathers sent their misbehaving daughters during the day, to a convent. (laughs) <laughs> so her daughter, right so her daughter was sent to a convent in avignon <laughs> that sounds cool though i bet it's like um i'm sure distract. it was really beautiful right and oh, so sure. lao Mopin followed her and entered the convent as a novitate which is you know just like a novice and she continued her same-sex love affair in the convent that's amazing that's like the perfect that's like the perfect thing i love 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 the nerve of this woman. I just love her. I, it's like no one would no one would know. I feel like you... Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But as you can imagine, the morally strict religious society did not mesh well with La Maupin. But she could just not leave the convent with her paramour because, you know, her the, the, da- the daughter was placed in there by her father, almost like against her will. So she hatched a plan. So when an elderly nun died... Lama Pin took the corpse, put it in her lover's bed, and set the room, which was then the convent, on fire. That's like um, the Count of Monte Cristo, kind mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And in the confusion, Lama Pin and her rub- lover ran off to a secluded village where they lived happily and had a lot of sex for three months. For three months? Yep, three months. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because either. This is where the accounts really differ. They were found as a result of a large search, or Lao Mopin became bored of her lover. But both okay. accounts leave the young woman in disgrace and deserted by Lao Mopin. Oh, that's no good. And while but in disgrace, I hate that term. Yeah, like just, well, it was like literally like, yeah, I, I think that Lao Mopin really, this woman's life was kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because if you, like, you think about it, like, they was, like, having huge witch trials at that point, too. Like, I can't imagine they were super accepting of, like, mm-hmm. you know, gay love. Yeah. And, again, I will talk more about that, too, because it's actually super interesting. I found it really interesting. Oh, that is really cool. Well, I mean, even just, like, anyone having sex outside of marriage, they were like, who? Right. Unless it was, like, a royal mistress, right? And then it was fine. Yeah. yeah right. And so while Lama Pin was getting her kicks, <laughs> a mm. tribunal was trying her in absentia. Absent, absent, 
Abstentia. Sorry, guys. I have a horrible lisp right now. Abstentia. And found her guilty of the crimes of body snatching, kidnapping, arson, and failing to appear before the court. (laughs) Wait, what's body snatching? Like what? I mean, I know what she took. She took the corpse. And oh, it, yep. Oh, so literal body snatching. Yes, yes. So remember, body snatching at the time was a crime because the medical colleges and universities at the time needed cadavers. So yeah. body snatching became a crime. Well, yeah. What else are they going to do? I mean, true. I mean, I was going to learn my anatomy and physiology without body snatchers. Right? We owe them all a greater attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the thing that was most interesting is that she was charged as a man. They did not know what to make of her. In all of it, she was Sir Maupin. And even on all the accounts and everything, they refer to her in a very either masculine or non-binary way. They do not know what to make of her, and it's super interesting. Could she be tried more heavily as a man? Was there like... I, I was there a difference? Think, I just don't. I just don't think that they could bring her to go, court for all those crimes <clears throat> as, a, as woman, a woman, without yeah, it being okay. like this absolutely humongous scandal that overtook the country. And she was charged to burn to death. That was her. That was her sentence. I thought and, only witches were burned to death. Well, I mean, no, anyone, woman who wasn't conforming conforming so that's basically then that's basically what all witches right 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 and so she fled marseille and she was pretty down on her luck she was singing for her supper in taverns and one night after she was done singing a man named de albert (laughs) i love that (laughs) in front of his name (laughs) delbert i'm demily yeah i'm Dick This is really tough to say. So anyways, this young man named Albert heckled her and said, tell me, oh, pretty bird, I've listened to your chirping, but now tell me of your plumage. Oh, froze. Shut up, <laughs> Which is Albert. clever by today's standards, but like super coarse. <laughs> yeah, that's like pretty crass. But she challenged him and his two friends to a duel. And she beat her. them all and ran her sword through to Albert's shoulder. She then sheathed her sword and went back to her room to sleep. I feel like I would have left the hotel at that point. Well, she felt like she had nothing to hide, but she must have felt bad because she was so superior to those three men (laughs) that she went to the local barber, who was also the local surgeon. Oh, my God. To inquire after the injured. I mean, I guess if you're going to, like multitask in your career like being a barber and a surgeon is probably a pretty good one it's the, it wasn't that uncommon apparently i mean right? and you have to remember that like surgeons at this time they really were just like hacksawing people's legs off and they weren't even washing their hands oh, blah. Blah. oh i know it grosses me out yeah but when she went to the local barber slash surgeon she learned that to albert was the son of a duke, which must have been an oh crap moment for her because dueling was illegal and she had hurt, injured, um, like a man of royalty. Oh, shit. And one of D'Albert's, but one of D'Albert's companions came that evening with apologies and asked her to appear in person, and she did. And then they made love. So her oh. and D'Albert had a, a love affair. And Wait, uh, she made love with D'Albert? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. After she stabbed him in the shoulder? Uh-huh. Was he like the was pain. she was she on t- <laughs> was she on top? He probably We all know it. Of course she was. <laughs> He's like, Oh my arm, I can't move. You have to do all the work. <laughs> well, and it's like their their love affair was really strong. They had to end it because he had was sent to a military position. But Wait, so this uh, continued for a while? Yeah, so their love affair apparently lasted for the rest of their lives, and they were friends for life. They, sh- they shared a really unique friendship. He respected her for exactly who she was. That's kind of cool. I like that. And then, of, and remember, she was, you know, fleeing from Marseille. She was kind of directionless at this time. And she found a drunk, aging, talented musician and actor who continued to school her in her singing. And he sent her to Paris with the instruction to take the first theater job she could find. But remember, she was still wanted for her crimes. So she went in disguise to her first lover, the count, her father's boss. And the count was actually like really happy to see her. And he put in a good word with the king. And like I was saying, the king had been amused by La Maupin since day one, and he was happy to annul the charges. Okay, I was going to ask, so was she, she was tried, she saw In absence, yeah. Yes, okay. remember, she was running from them, and then the king annulled them. And the protection of the king really gave her the freedom to be bisexual at court. And although there are many accounts of gay affairs, the church and the public opinion were still very opposed, but... The king's own brother, Philippe the First, was gay, and he was oh, also cool. known to dress like a woman. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Lama Pen was not. She was still. She was like not even twenty yet. After all, oh that really? Yes. So she wait. So she's like nineteen. She did all this before the time she hit twenty. Yes. What? Yes. Oh my god! I, I know. I, I know. I like thought she was like fifty-five. Nope. Oh, my God. But the whole affair with the convent was not super public because the tribunal was reluctant to publicize the quote-unquote delicate nature of the affair. Because it was two women? Yes, yes. And so in Paris, the Palais Royal, which was half opera, half Academy of the Arts, which was opened by the king, so she had a, a direct in, pretty much hired her. Oh, um, that's cool. And she's, you know, she had to do a little like hemming and hawing because there is some accounts that doubt how great her voice was, but she had a really really beautiful uh contralto voice, you know, so it What's was that? it was quite unique. Um so there's like soprano and then contralto. I'm trying to remember. I'm so sorry music people have absolutely butchering this. This it's a lower it's a lower um Tenor of like voices. alto, ma contra alto, so okay, she can still she can still get up quite high. Okay, in between like soprano and alto. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, um, and she really stunned Paris in her small role in her stage debut as Athena, goddess of war. When she was taking a bow, she took off her helmet, and like everyone was like, <gasps> because. I I I think you've gathered up until this point, but she really was stunning, just beautiful, and I'm sure her charisma just added to it. Well, also at this point, at least like in England, women in England, like during Shakespearean time, women weren't in place, so it was all men playing women, mm-hmm. right? Like so, so but like, not 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 here, 
Not yeah, cramps. It wasn't. No, there. Well, I don't know if in general, but like just at at this time. Not at that place. No, okay, that's no. that's what I was thinking. They were all like, "Oh, it's an actual woman," like just like Shakespeare in love. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> and so, like I was saying, she was a. Even though some have doubted the by opera standards, how great her voice was. She was a really good dancer and even better actress, and she played some huge roles on stage. <laughs> what? Does your thing say swashbuckling Caramia? Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed that. About time. <laughs> when, when did you change it? I didn't change it. It's been that since we've opened this. Like since today or like since? No, every, every time you invite me and I sign in, I have to write my name. Oh, <laughs> it's been like an hour. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Um, you so spelled she, your name wrong. It says Caramay. Oh, I, I was out of it. <laughs> you, said you spelled swashbuckling right, but you spelled your oh, name I spelled wrong. the important thing right. <laughs> okay. So she played some huge roles on stage, like that of the goddess Minerva and Queen Dido. And they said that she was especially good at quote unquote trouser roles because she was so great at sword fighting. Which, oh, like, man. She, she, there wasn't a role that she came across that she couldn't do. She was good at serious roles and comedic roles. She could do it all. Of course she could. And opera stars were like the rock stars of today. And then as soon as I was writing that, I was like, sorry, old reference. TikTok stars <laughs> of today. <laughs> oh, my God. And she also slept and fought her way through her fellow actors and actresses. There is even a story that when one of the actresses did not return her love, she attempted suicide. Ooh. One pompous opera singer named Dumanil, who was always coarsely propositioning women, he had a huge ego, and he would actually steal from the women he slept with, started, right, started insulting La Malpin and uh, the other women of the opera. She dressed as a man and lay, lay in wait for him. Then she challenged him to a duel, which he refused. So she beat him with a cane and then stole his watch and stuff box. And then the next day, she heard him telling some fella opera folk about how he had been assaulted by a gang of thieves and that they stole his watch and snuff box. <laughs> and that is when Lama Pen threw the watch and snuff box at him and said, Dumanil, you liar and base coward. It was I alone who defeated you. You were oh afraid God. to fight. So I gave you a sound thrashing. As proof, I return to you your miserable watch and snuff box. What? <laughs> I love her. It's what is true. a snuff box? Like where you keep your snuff, your tobacco. Oh, I was, Okay. Yep, All and right. so she disgraced him publicly. Oh, she, can we get tattoos of her? I love her. We're gonna get. I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely like I, I want to keep re- like. And there's so much more about her. No, I was surprised when I like briefly looked into her before I sent her like a couple weeks ago. I was like, wow, because I didn't know that there'd be that much information about someone. She's inspired a lot of myths. I think she's so cool. And while she was waiting for her opera slash acting career to blossom, she started the secondary, her secondary career as a professional dueler. And this was a famous and popular career at the time. So, cause you know, it was like legitimized. It was like the one, oh, okay. do, right? So one of the most scandalous things that happened while she was dressed as a man was at a Royal ball. And also I just want to say, 
I hate saying while she was dressed as a man because to me, there's really no uh, right. designated way to dress for your sex. I don't believe that there there should be. No, um, but and I'm the, also saying the, for the time, the time, there was very yeah. stereotypical ways that people really didn't defer from for uh, a female to dress and a male to dress. And so when I right. say, you know, it's just because it was very, very shocking at the time. It was very yeah. different for the time. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. So she was invited to a royal ball. And she monopolized a very eligible young woman during the evening, angering the other male suitors like she wouldn't give her up for other dances. And then she openly kissed her on the dance floor. And then three gallant suitors came to defend the lady's honor, shouting disgrace. But Lao Mao Pin replied with, at your service, gentlemen, which was a standard intro for a duel. (gasps) She and they loved dueling. She did. And they fought in the dark royal gardens and she beat them all. There are even accounts of her killing them. Again, the royal protection of the crown be- benefited her. So the king was upset, but again, he was entertained. And he, while he was considering pardoning her from his own law, because he was speculating that that particular law only governed men, not women. <laughs> So he was like, he wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. I don't know. They said there's all those different accounts, but he was upset, but he wasn't upset enough to like condemn her. But she took that time to run just in case to Brussels. And she then became the mistress of the Elector of Bavaria, which is um, who was a German prince of the Holy Roman Empire. But he became overwhelmed and tired of her and wanted her out of Bavaria so he could replace her with a countess. AKA so, he just wanted someone who would like do whatever he said and to him. have their yeah. own mind. And yeah. But he sent an emissary to her and the emissary was the countess's husband that he wanted to sleep with. Exactly. With 40,000 francs. And she got, well, so, that was convenient. Right. And she was so angry that she threw the purse in his face and called him a cuckold, but he really was a cuckold. <laughs> I guess she's not wrong. Nope. And some even say that she threw him down the stairs. And she returned to Paris and was reunited with her husband, who had also returned to Paris. And they actually lived happily together until his death. And she returned to the stage where an opera was written for her. And it was the first opera written for a female lead who was not a soprano. And she died at the ripe old age of 37 at seven, in 1707 of unknown causes. Oh. Right? So Lama Pin was not only a leading swords person, not swordsman. No, swords she person was a swords person. Of her day and a great operatic actress. She lived each day unapologetically herself, passionately and swashbucklingly. <laughs> she shocked the nation made men who wrote her history for centuries extremely uncomfortable, and is the LGBTQ heroine we all want a poster of on our wall. We need a poster of her. Right? I love her. And our sources at rejectedprincess.com. I am quoting an anti-source because it was like, I had to read it, but it was horrendous just to see how horrible. It's called Curiosities of Biography by Robert Malcolm. The Adventures of Lama Pen by Jim Barrows and Women's in Men's Guise by Oscar Paul Gilbert. And of course, were, those, were those all anti? Or no, no, no. Just that curiosity is a biography. 
by Robert Malcolm is an anti-source. Because he was a douchebag. Yes, he was horrendous. And just to show how horrendous he is, I I have a quote from him. Oh, oh, tell us. Yes, it's really bad. So It's a beautiful notebook, by the way. So it said, (laughs) but the siren whose tones enchanted every hearer while poisons of asps was within her lips. What are you even doing? Were you trying to be a poet? You sound so stupid. Yeah, he was dumb. He was dumb. No, I mean, you sound like a misogynistic asshole, but you also, like, ugh. An eloquent misogynistic asshole, which hates us, makes us hate you all the more. He was very eloquent, but he sounds he sounds like he's trying to be eloquent. Like, he probably, like, spent, like, three weeks trying to make that one sentence. Right, yeah. So, go research more about her. There's so much fun stuff. There's, it's just so, it's just so fun to read these stories of these women who kind of make you sit and think like, why didn't I try that? Why didn't I? I I've been wanting that? to duel since I was like, I well, I wasn't know. saying so literally, Emily. I, I, I remember one time being like, Matt, we have to learn how to start sword fight. And he was like, do we? <laughs> oh my gosh. I absolutely like, I remember, I think I took like. A couple of classes in fencing. It was really fun. I think I took archery, but like it was really hard. So I it is really hard. It's really hard. That bow is very, very heavy. Well, do we want to do our hoorays? Happy Harlots. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I, I've been listening to too much of my favorite murder. I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah happy happy Harlots. Harlots. You go first. I feel like we can just, we both have the same Happy Harlot this week. But, oh, I know. I think Madam Vice President is no longer a fictional character. I know. I think, like, for me, I just, like, actually, Matt and I both cried last night watching it because I, because what made me lose it, like, when Trump won the first time was Hillary's concession speech. It was so... Remember when people used to get concession speeches? Anyway, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is a concession speech you asked but her concession speech about like the little girls and that just it, like made me lose it like i just like i lost it i was like bawling and into matt's lap on the night i met him <laughs> today's actually our four-year anniversary oh, um cute. yeah and i'm spending it with you which is like you know par for the course right we always spend each other's anniversaries with our partners each with each other it's just yep. our it's our tradition it is our make tradition. sure that make sure that the men in our life know where they stand <laughs> you stand a step lower <laughs> yeah i just watching like hearing her say that and watching her daughters up there with her it just like i just it, and her you know. her, her was her nieces yeah oh those were her nieces the little ones Oh, I thought those were her daughters. Nieces. Oh, okay. Well, that was really cute, too. I don't know. I just, I felt like I had a huge lack of faith in humanity because so many people voted for Trump. But I just, like, that kind of restored my faith a little bit, you know? hmm hmm And at the same time, the right to vote is your right to vote. We're not condemning anyone for voting for Trump. But mm-hmm. you could have you done better. You could have. You should have. But we're not yeah. condemning you. We're not no. condemning you. We're just we're just strongly side eyeing you. Like my <laughs> eyes might get stuck. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're. Just... But you know what? I want to say really quick. Like my happy harlot was doing this episode because I mean, if you've tuned out by now, tune out. But 
I had a particularly rough day. My kids are all going through different stages. I'm remote schooling. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. My house is a disaster. My daughter got us locked out of our house today, and we had to call a locksmith on a freaking Sunday, which, like, stressed my husband out to no end. But at the end of my day, I, like, knew that I could come here and share this with you, and it made oh, my I- night. Made my- no, it made my night too. That was, it was, I think that was my happy harlot too. Cause it was like, I'm really excited that you were able to do something that you were like really stoked about too. Right. And so for next week, we don't know what we're doing yet. We're going unscripted nope. right now. So we don't know what to tell you to look for next week. We also want to remind you that we are not doing any more mini sods for the rest of the year because we are really just taking that time off, but we will still be releasing our full episodes. Yeah, we, we yeah we decided to like two episodes a week. Like we both have a lot of other stuff going on, and we're not superheroes. No, no, and we also are trying to get our Patreon up and going, but we will return with minisodes. We don't know how often they will be, but they will be there. Maybe just like once a month, but we'll also be well. We also are going to be we're aiming to do Patreon starting in January. That's our goal. So we'll be having bonus episodes on there too. So and also be, we're trying to keep our our main episodes like really sweet and to the point, but while still having fun. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. we tend to talk a lot, so we are. I feel like we we're just we're finding our groove. We're still finding it. So. Still learning, still learning. Yeah. And also, we love recommendations. Like this recommendation yes. could have probably taken us years to find. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, like I, and everyone, like we've actually had a good amount of people reaching out. So like, if you guys listening, if you find someone you want us to do, like, please let us know. Please. And we will, we will, we will shout you out in the beginning of our episode. If you tell us it's okay to shout you out. We always exactly. ask permission. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, but, like, please let us know. We've had a couple people, like, send us sources that I'm really excited to read about. Like, um, and then people told us, like, I've had a couple people, like, send us people to do. So, like, that's awesome. We love it because there's so many amazing harlots out there that we need to talk about. And we can't possibly know all of them. So Nope, nope. And just remember, we're not, like... Um, we're not stuck in uh, the female sex, or we're not stuck in a certain gender, send- or any or any binary either. Nope, nope, we're not stuck in anything. So just send us all recommendations. So you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, and uh, Apple podcasts. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> all right, thanks so much for tuning in, and this is Emily and Karamia. Reminding you to, <laughs> oh gosh, I guys, this, I'm tired. Reminding you back, to take back the word harlot. One, one episode, episode at a time. <laughs> gosh, do it again, do it again. No. No, it will not. <laughs> All right. Harlot. No, be a harlot. Not a hater. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was such a hot mess up. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Our music is by Lloyd Rogers, and our cover art and our editing is by us. If you enjoyed listening, we would be tickled if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can always email us at harlotsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our best to get back to you with something witty, snarky, or boring. We are also on Instagram and Twitter as Harlots of History. We love you all, even the haters. Bye!